Hello, welcome to the latest episode of This Is A Thing. Today, I am sitting with actor, dancer, choreographer, teacher, director, mother, amazing lady, Elise Robbins. Elise, how are you? I am very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me in your lovely home. Oh, thank you for and, having me on your podcast. Oh, I'm so happy that you said yes. You're really busy. So I was like, maybe this isn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> a little busy. Yeah. Um, so I just listed off a bunch of things that you do. Yeah. What order do you put all of those things in? Like, uh, do you have okay. a um, way you think of oh, them? That's or? such a good question. I think I think of myself as a mom and wife first. Mm-hmm. Family person, I guess, is the right way to put it. Um, and then I would probably say huh, director, choreographer, Actor, educator, presentation skills coach. Uh, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> That's so many things. I feel like you should add mentor on the end Aww. and then you can mentor me. Okay. All right. Done. Okay. Good. We're done. Um, so you were originally from Worcester, correct? I am. How did you remember that? I did a little research. Okay. Let's see how much of it was accurate. <laughs> I am. I am a Worcester girl. And um, I can fall into that accent if you would like. <laughs> oh, can you give us a little a little sample? Well, I grew up in Worcester, uh-huh. and my father was put in alarms. And I, if you wanted, I could um, break into pretty much any house in Worcester. Wow, <laughs> that's not true. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's the the other skill that you don't yeah, add. I to the actually set. <laughs> honestly did put in burglar alarms for my entire high school career with my father. Really? Yes. That's the coolest part time job was, ever. It was actually really fun. It was really fun to work with my dad. So, <laughs> I kind of forget about that. I love that. Um, that's some. That's a good fallback too. You, you absolutely. <laughs> my dad is seven. He'd kill me for saying this. <clears throat> Pardon me on a podcast, but he's seventy-six and still does it. Wow. Yeah, it's like a hobby. It's very cute. That's really. Are they now? Their alarm systems are all like super high tech and stuff. Right? Yeah, he now puts in cameras. He does the whole. Yeah, Ooh. I didn't do that. That's so neat. <laughs> I did like I the windows. It. Did you put an alarm system in your own house? He did with my husband, actually. I love it. <laughs> I think that is the best. Yeah. Um, so cool. Okay. So, and you went to college in at Northwestern. At Northwestern, right? out in Evanston, Illinois. And you went there, I believe, uh, this is like a quiz for me about okay. what, what do I know about you? Yes. Uh, I know. Because you wanted to dance with. Gus Giordano. Gus Giordano. Exactly. Exactly. So I wanted to be a dancer. I had mm-hmm. told my parents I wanted to go right to New York and be a dancer. And they said, great, you'll, you know, you can totally support yourself. And I said, hmm, <laughs> that's going to be really hard. Uh, and they said, we will help support you if you go to college. So a very roundabout way, I talked through my guidance counselor and my dance teacher. And my dance studio in Worcester was a sister school with with Gus's my my dance teacher and Gus were very close oh cool so I knew him I had known of him and um one of my teachers had been in his company so round and about I found myself applying to Northwestern as an acting major so that I could dance with Gus (laughs) and I scholarshiped to Gus's studio and I did dance there which was it was at the time three blocks from Northwestern oh wow found myself really really loving being an acting major Mm -hmm. and a creative I was a creative drama education minor wow yeah that's a lot yeah it was great it was it was college was fantastic for me so what uh what type of dance is that company Gus is 
Jazz. Jazz. He is okay. he is one of the fathers of American jazz dance. Oh, so, amazing. Yeah, it is straight on old school jazz. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, how did you balance all that? At school? Yeah. I never slept. <laughs> <laughs> Northwestern's a liberal arts school, so mm-hmm. uh, so I majored in theater and you had to do a third of your credits in theater, third of your credits in the school and then a third outside of it. So I was doing all of that. As a theater major, you had to do at least nine crews. So I Mm -hmm. had to learn lights, costume, set, props. I had to learn all of that and run those things. Then we were rehearsing, and then I was taking class. So actually taking class at Gus's became less than I would have liked, Mm -hmm. but I still made sure it happened. Wow. I remember I actually remember having rehearsals rehearsals for scene work for class at one in the morning. <sighs> it like makes me feel anxious just thinking about <laughs> it. Because I I didn't have that exact kind of experience, but I just remember trying to cram like many things into my senior year of college and like a a deep fog that I lived in yeah. for a year that I to this day don't really know how I didn't pass out or something dramatic <laughs> at some point. So like you saying that just brings it all back up for me. Cause that's yeah. so, I mean, that's amazing, an amazing experience, but like it was so lot. much to have on your great, plate. Though. I remember thinking what a great safe environment to spend four years and do as much as you can. Sure. Sure. Um, so then after that, so I yeah. know, I think mm-hmm. when you were in school, mm-hmm. you went to Bada. I did. I did. I went between, I'm going to get this wrong. I think it was between my sophomore and junior years. I went to the British American Drama Academy in Oxford, England. Uh, It was one of the best summers of my life. We worked with some professors and and many working actors and directors in England. So I worked with Earl Gister, who was the head of the Yale Drama Department. I worked with Anne Woodworth on Mime from Northwestern. And then I worked with people like Fiona Shaw and we had um, uh, Jeremy Irons came for a master class. And it was, it was a phenomenal, really immersive program. Wow. Um, looping back. So I know you, you grew up dancing mm-hmm. um, and like did some plays, I think, when you were younger. But yeah. did you ever think that you would go to college for acting? Or was I did it just- not. I, I danced since the time I was four. Mm-hmm. So I had been dancing my whole life. And I did... I did plays at summer camp. So my acting stuff happened during summer camp, and I danced always. So I always thought I was going to be a dancer or a dance teacher or a florist. (laughs) I don't really know why I thought I was going to be a florist because I kill plants, but I liked flowers. (laughs) But I did always think I was going to be a dancer. And then when I – so it was by default, the whole going to Northwestern and being an acting major. Mm -hmm. And I lucked out because – it was the best training I could have gotten. And I'm really, at, at the time, I'm going to show you how old I am, there was not a musical theater department at Northwestern. At the mm-hmm. time, there was a theater department. So I got great acting training. Yeah. And so really, there was a dance department. You could take voice. You could take music. But mostly, you you focused on acting. And the other stuff was secondary. And the other stuff I had had background in. So yeah. it was really nice to immerse myself in the acting Wow, program, that's cool. So, yeah. Um, and then after that, you went to Harvard to I get did. your master's in education? I did. So I took a year off. Mm-hmm. I um, 
<laughs> I graduated and I spent a summer delivering singing telegrams. And then you wait, I hold did. on. <laughs> Don't skim over that. Yeah, we're in where in Chicago? In Chicago? Yeah, that's amazing. It was amazing. It was super silly. So shall I tell you my favorite story? Yes, please. So I got hired a lot to do um, anniversaries mm-hmm. and proposals because they dressed me up as Cupid, <laughs> and I sang "When I Fall in Love" and oh a few other gosh. things. And I would go with all my balloons, which I had a huge helium tank in my car, and <laughs> I would blow up my balloons. And I got <laughs> I got a call one day, and, and this place seemed I the name had sounded familiar. My my best guy friend from college had had gotten me into this company, and he had moved to LA. And I called him. I said, Jeff, uh, do you know where this place is? And he's there's silence on the end of the phone. He said, Just be careful when you go there. And I said, Why? And he said. We think it's mob run. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was, I thought to myself, that that's not real. That's yeah. in the movies. <laughs> but I got to this restaurant in my diaper uh-huh. <laughs> with my two dozen balloons. And you get in and someone pats you down in this no. ante room. And then I walk in and dead silence. Everybody's staring at me in this dining room. And I think... Please, God, don't let any of my balloons pop. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of the best tips I ever got. Oh, my gosh. So I did that for a summer. That's amazing. (laughs) I have so many questions related to that. Okay. Um, Which order do I ask them in? Okay. You had a helium tank in your car. I had a helium tank in my car. Company provided, right? The company provided the helium tank. My car was a 1977 Dodge Colt. Okay. <laughs> it was a standard with an eight-track tape cassette in the glove compartment. I had bought it from a professor. The car was falling apart. We had to keep one door closed with, with rope. And the, if you hit a bump, the trunk popped open. I loved my car. So I, I drove around with that in my helium tank. I ate a lot of meals in my car. <laughs> okay. Um, and this was no GPS, and I had no sense of direction. Right. Oh, my goodness. Getting around was so hard. <laughs> Did you just have, like, one of those car I had one of those maps, yep. Oh, my gosh. Atlases. That's mm-hmm. the worst, because you're, like, already lost. And you're like, trying to unfold <laughs> and the And I have balloons. Yeah. And I, yeah it, was, it was a lot. Um, okay. <laughs> the Cupid costume had yeah. a diaper. Like, a what diaper. else? Describe the rest it of was, costume. That one was a leotard and tight. Mm-hmm. And a diaper in one of those banners, like the Miss America banner, yeah. that said Cupid. <laughs> um, yeah, that. And I had a. I think I had a pacifier. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I had a bow and arrow. Do you have pictures of that? No. <laughs> You're like, I made sure. No, that yeah. I have no pictures of. That was probably the one I did the most. I then. Oh my gosh! I was a purple gorilla. <laughs> uh, I. Uh, I this was this is interesting because I think about this all the time when I go to New York now and mm-hmm. Times Square and y'all, you see all those costume characters yeah. and they take their heads off and it bothers me yeah. so much. I remember doing, I think it was Mickey Mouse and I was doing a little boy's birthday party and we, it was very important to us that we that they saw us as the character. Right. So I parked around the corner so I could then get out of the car and put the head on and and I did the party, and we had a great time. And the mom says, let's walk Mickey back to his car. <laughs> I thought, Mickey can't drive with Mickey's head on. Yeah. Oh, no. So I had to – I remember getting in the car and, and being – like, the where the, the eyes are is the neck. 
And so yeah. I, I was to see me trying to drive with the head on was unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's like a really specific ticket from a police officer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, how, how do you give that ticket? <laughs> I don't. I don't know that you can. I don't. I don't I, oh my goodness. I don't either. That's amazing. Yeah. I. All I'm picturing is the is Clue. <laughs> Actually, like the minute that you said it, I was like, um, "That's yeah." That's yeah. incredible. It was that. I love it. That happened. Again, you have so many things you could go back to. If you to. <laughs> so many things to fall back on. You know, on. I mean, I think you'll be working for a long time sure in so. theater. But I, like, I'd like to stay where I am right now. <laughs> if ever, you know, like burglar yeah. alarms by day, singing you know, telegram by, by night. By night, it's all good. Yeah. yeah, so I did that for the summer. And then I moved to London with mm-hmm. my best girlfriend, Molly, and spent a, spent six months just waiting tables and making money and then traveling. Wow. Which was really fun. And then the two of us both applied to grad school. And she went to Leslie in Cambridge and I went to Harvard. So what made you decide to go to Harvard and study like education? Education? I had decided, um, I actually had decided I wasn't going to do theater anymore, period. I was done. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was very, um, so I'm five foot one. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I was in Chicago, as well as delivering singing telegrams, I was auditioning quite a bit. And my acting teacher was very upset with me because I went back to what I knew and I auditioned only for musicals. Mm-hmm. Whereas I had been studying theater for like acting for three years and doing plays. And, but I, I fell back on musical theater and it was really the time when choruses were everyone was five, seven and up. Mm-hmm. So I would get to the final call and it would be all these girls and then me. And I I would make it to the final cut, and then uh, one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. So I I got very disillusioned, and so I said, I'm done. I'm I don't want to do this anymore. And I thought oh, I had a minor in creative drama ed. I'll I'll go be a teacher, and I love kids and I love teaching. So I went to grad school. Oh wow! Yeah. I that was a question that I had for you. Actually, was like what the experience of being like a a dancer of smaller stature. It was really um, hard. Yeah. It was really hard. Um, it was really hard. It, even as a tapper, I thought, you know, I went out for 42nd Street and I thought those girls were small back mm-hmm. then, but they were all 5'7 in this chorus. So I, it's different here in Boston. Sure. I find that Boston's a lot different. Mm-hmm. Although a f- the f- when I first started auditioning, when I first came back, there were a few shows that I uh, was typed out of because I was under 5'4". That feels crazy to me. Yep. But I mean, it. I know that it's a thing, but it feels not like... not for me. <laughs> you know. It's never a thing for me when I cast, so... Yeah, well, and that was... We'll go get back to okay. Harvard because yep. I do want to hear about yep. that. But um, this is making me think of something that I wanted to ask you. So just wondering about being a woman and being... Um, shorter and you know different things like if that does affect the way that you cast because I feel like um even in looking at Sweet Charity that we just yeah full disclosure did we tell everybody that you were just in my show oh I think they know but you guys I was in Sweet Charity with Elise and it was so great she's amazing you are amazing oh well that's really kind we our cast was on point yeah I, I loved our cast yeah um but looking at you know the fandango girls right um i think you know 
I'm taking myself out because I don't want to talk about myself. That's weird. But <laughs> looking at the, the lineup, you know, everyone's like a, a great dancer, like singer, actor. You can see like different strengths and things coming out in the way that we kind of fit together as a group. Mm-hmm. But in looking at us, like it occurred to me that you could you could cast it so differently. Like you could sure. cast all like five, six and up right. and all like swingy right. hair and all just like leggy leggy. Right. And um, I was wondering if that's intentional when you cast that you want it to be um, like diversity of like of type and bodies and different things like that. Or if it's just that you kind of let the talent speak to you and then because you're approaching it that way, it just so happens that you end up with different types of people. I think it's both. That's actually a great question for me because I do look for the best person for the job, but I also look for the best person for the job. That's funny. That it's funny because the best person for the job for me is someone who can dance, sing and act, but Mm -hmm. it's also someone who looks the reality of the show to me. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you're not going to go to a dance hall and find all thin, blonde, five, seven women. You're going to find some short women, some tall women, some older women, some younger women, different colors, different shapes. So it was important to me. It's important to me in casting to find both the best character mm-hmm. and the best actor. That makes sense. No, it absolutely does. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's never been tough for me being like five foot eight and (laughs) and like very busty, you know, as I am. Yeah, as you are. Uh, (laughs) It's a question I had, you know, for other people. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense to me. And yeah, it's funny. It just occurred to me, um, I think in the final weekend of the show, I think I was driving up and just kind of like thinking about the people I met and, um, it occurred to me like, oh, you know, you could, like you could cast the show and go a totally different way and it wouldn't right. be a bad show. It would just be different and, right. and several of us wouldn't be able to, you know, go along right. for that ride. Right. Um, so yeah, I wondered what your, your mentality was. Well, and was it was also that. really important for me in that show to have some age. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, I I find uh, the older I get, the more interesting I find a mixture of age as well. Yeah. So we were actually joking uh, with Christine Maglioni mm-hmm. um, before one of the shows about doing a chorus line, but like a mature cast. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm in. I'm yeah. in. I'm in. But I was actually thinking about it at home the other day, and I was like, that could actually be very interesting. Like if she really was talking about um, turning 50 right. instead of turning 30, and if everyone, you know, there were some 20s, but like the mixture of ages was really like 30s and 40s, and what that would mean mm-hmm. to the themes of that show. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you just raise the mm-hmm. ages, especially for for now, um, and how I guess the maturity levels that people are going into trying to stay on Broadway or right. being in movies and kind of the conversations that we're having like as a society mm-hmm. like that can actually be a thing so anybody wants to do it Waylon Symes um, <laughs> I'm in <laughs> yeah. I've been giving him a, a that's lot a show of I've done twice and uh one of my favorite shows I've ever been in yeah, it's it's a, yeah. an experience, it, it, isn't it? Yeah. It's pretty yeah. special. I actually was in it with Christine. Oh, you were? Yeah. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Hey, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so going back, yeah. uh, so you went to Harvard. I did. Um, and how 
was your time there? I've spoken to different people who go there as a graduate student. Yeah. It seems like it's a little bit different as it's an undergrad interesting. It was interesting. It was nine months. Mm-hmm. It was in and out. Oh, wow. Um, I found that all of my classes were larger than many of my classes at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. So it felt, um, felt less personal. I had some fabulous classes. Uh, I have some classes, I had some classes that were really just too large, that Mm. were just lectures. One of my favorite classes was a class I audited. That was one of the wonderful things about grad school. You could go um, sit in on any of the other uh, classes at the university, which was excellent. Um, I did find that my favorite classes, I guess, were my field studies. Mm -hmm. So I went out and worked with Howard Gardner, who uh, is the theories of multiple intelligences. Oh, wow. Gentleman. (laughs) He was on sabbatical that year, but Uh a working sabbatical. So I actually worked for him for two two of my class credits. So so that was that was probably the, the best part for me. I went into schools and I watched how certain studies worked with the kids. So um, I think I know what that is, but can you explain what that theory sure, is? Sure, it's a theory that, that um, children learn differently okay. and have uh, talents, skills in different areas. So you can be a kinetic learner, you can be a mathematical learner, there, uh, and there are different... The way we were doing it, we were putting different... Um, we were taking students and giving them areas. We were setting up different areas in the classroom to learn differently. Oh, wow. To, to see where their strengths came from. And it's a, it's a, it's something that speaks to me a lot because mm-hmm. I think people learn differently. Sure. And if you tap into the way that a child learns, then you're going to open up new worlds for them. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was exciting and new at the time uh, and really fun to be on the front line of that. Do you feel like you use that in I do. Directing? I use it in directing and in teaching. So mm-hmm. for the past eight years, I've been teaching at Wheelock College. Oh, right. And yeah. I teach a class called Critical Thinking Through Movement. And it talks, it speaks to how certain people learn kinetically and learn through dance and movement. And uh, I am a strong believer in that. That is really amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just sorry. I'm I, for some reason thinking through movement. I'm just like that sounds so interesting. Well, to and me. there are so many studies about how uh, the way we set up classrooms right now are not actually inducive to is that the word to learning. Mm-hmm. That if you have students sit at a desk for too long, the brain stops retaining or taking in new information. Sure. So just the idea of getting up and moving around the classroom or playing one of those games where you switch seats with someone and have to get the chemicals in your body moving again, it opens up space to learn something new. Wow. Which is why I think, which is why I love dance and choreography because we are always using our muscles and using the chemicals are always moving. So... I think that's why dancers are wicked smart. Wicked smart. <laughs> and so good at learning new things all the time. Yeah, I never really thought about right? that. Right, we have to learn something You're new right. all the time. I guess that makes sense too because I was just, I don't know who I was talking to, but uh, for some reason talking about learning lines and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And um, like I feel like when 
if I have a lot of lines to learn, it's just much easier when it's tied to movement for me. So it's always tied to the block. Yep. Like I'm always like, oh, it, like, you know, if you don't pick up the glass that you're supposed to pick up, all of a sudden I'm like, shoot, what do I say? Funny. <laughs> it's like That's very so funny. tied together. My acting teacher at Northwestern always said, learn your lines by rote. So no inflection, no, mm-hmm. not necessarily tied to your blocking, but Always learn them while you're moving, so don't sit mm-hmm. and try to learn your lines. So for me, I'm usually on my, uh, if I have to learn lines, I'm usually on my uh, stationary bike. Wow. Or wandering around my house, and my dog is always wondering what I'm doing when I do that. <laughs> That's really, I'm going to try that. Yeah, That's it's, so it's kind of good because it just, it gets into my, my, my person, I guess. Wow. Yeah. I learned something new. I know. <laughs> uh, on that bombshell, actually, yes. uh, let's take a little break and come right back. Your hair looks so good today, like really great. Like I don't know if you got a new conditioner or some other type of emollient or or something that you're using in it, but I mean, you look fantastic. Um, here's a couple of other things I wanted to share with you. If you have any questions or comments about the show, suggestions for guests, or you just want to tell me how much you love it, uh, you can email me at carriepodnow at gmail.com. You can also look up my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash thing. We are also on Instagram. You can find me at CarriePod. Um, or on Twitter, it's at CarriePod there as well. I would love to hear from you, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back. Uh, so I just thought of a question um, okay. from what you were saying. So um, you... You know, you've done things with critical thinking, and mm-hmm. I see um, like uh, speaking skills, yep. presentation skills, and things like that. Um, and that to me just ties into that you have like really a strength in communication. So, how do you feel like that influences the way that you approach new projects with your teams, like when you're directing or? Uh, okay, so. Let's think about that. One of the things, which you now know, I I always talk about with a cast is making the experience that you're having the best experience that you've had yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think an open communication between cast and creative and crew is imperative. Um, it is really important to me that I set up a safe place for everyone to play. Mm-hmm. I I do over prepare. That's just who I am. <laughs> so I always have an outline or an idea of what I'm looking for sure. when I'm directing. And I, I over-choreograph before I go into a space. Um, but it's important to me to have that the give and take with my cast mm-hmm. where things can change and grow. Uh, is that answering your question? I don't yeah. know if I answered that question. No, I think it is. So... It's maybe less about, or not less, but it, you just want everyone to have open communication, kind of with each with each other. So right. it's a back and forth relationship with it's a like conversation cast and crew Absolutely. and designers and every everyone instead of like coming in and just um, like your message always being the strongest one. Is that true? Well, the way I feel about it is, theater is a collaboration, mm-hmm. right? It's a we call it a play for a reason. We're there to play. Um, but I do think I am a strong believer that as the director, as the choreographer, I have to have a clear idea in my head, Mm -hmm. um, somewhere that to to a jumping off point and, and sort of a nice outline. I think of it as almost a big bubble that we Mm -hmm. all work in 
and then collaborate in that bubble. Okay, yeah, no, that totally makes sense <laughs> to me. I no, I think because I mean there has to be some type of through line and it's, it's yours so. that's why you're there you know um otherwise you end up with a show that people are like i don't what play were they in yeah exactly like they were all in there yeah were that is the, that is my yeah. my biggest fear is someone's gonna say they were in four different plays yeah um which that's and i've it, seen some of those and you go hmm yeah like at sure. its best it's boring and at its worst it's very confusing, confusing right <laughs> exactly yeah um so here's the question. You might I, you might kill me for asking it because I think it's kind of a hard <laughs> one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, so in the, all of that communication, though, like when you're approaching um, projects, even as an actor or whatever, do you feel like there's something that you are trying to say, like overall in like the types of projects that you choose? Or, me as a person? Yeah. Or um, like the, the strains that you pick up in the in the project that you've Definitely. Chosen. Definitely. So I have found that as I... Um, as I get older, I pick and choose more carefully mm-hmm. what I work on. Um, often, I still I still strongly believe that there is great strength in in a piece that just entertains people, mm-hmm. uh, in something that makes people happy. Joy is very important to me, mm-hmm. so I still I like a big happy musical. I do. I like I like when people leave humming a song or, or happy. Sweet Charity doesn't, isn't necessarily a happy, happy ending, but it's a hopeful ending. Yeah. Um, but I do find as I'm, as I have been moving forward, I like to look at women in my pieces mm-hmm. and the strength of women. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very important to me that in Sweet Charity, we weren't just watching Charity fail at love, but we were watching her, the women she works with continue to support her. Mm. Um, I found that in How to Succeed as well, that even though it feels like it's a man's piece, mm-hmm. that it's about Finch, that the women were just as strong and just as important. Um, so I do find myself gravitating toward pieces where I can say something about women and the strength of women. And I am finding that more and more. Um, I also, I look for good storytelling. Uh, storytelling is super important to me. Uh, one of the things I studied at Northwestern was, we called it performance studies at the time. And I worked with Frank Galati and that team on taking and adapting plays. A lot of my friends from Chicago went on to create Looking Glass Theater, which is a high, works a lot on adaptations. Mm-hmm. So I worked on Little Prince uh, last season, a few seasons ago, at the New Rep. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a story that that was adapted for the stage, and I really enjoyed working on that because I like I like storytelling. Yeah, that's great. Uh, sidebar: mm-hmm. Have you seen Mr. Burns? I have. I did see it. Uh, it just made me think of it because I just saw. Did it. you see it? Yes. What did you think? It. I thought it was amazing. Shout out to Lyric Stage. <laughs> like, I and Nora Long and that whole cast. Oh my gosh. All yes. All of them. Nora and I It is a yes. super, super interesting script. Mm-hmm. What and what an interesting idea to take a a cultural icon like The Simpsons and bring that into a play. It was interesting what my husband was saying was that it it makes it it's it's a it's a, so for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a piece that is accessible and not at the same time. Right, right. So it's very difficult to, I, it's hard for me to explain, but my husband was saying he found, he thinks that it, it's really 
interesting to a lot of people because so many of us share that common bond of the Simpsons. Yeah, just like, and it, I feel like that's what kind of draws you in because the, the characters in the play, that's like sort of the only thing that they have in common. Right, <laughs> that, right. And that their isn't world that is falling isn't apart. Isn't that strange? Yeah. It's post-apocalyptic. Their world is falling apart and they find a common thread in a story. Yeah, um, and so that's, you were talking about storytelling yep. and that was the first thing that popped to my mind because I feel like that's, you know, one of the yeah. the larger themes of the piece is the, the they power sit around of a campfire and yeah tell the story of the Simpsons, right? Yes, while the world is ending. falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I thought it was amazing, like crazy, because it was it's a little mm-hmm. cuckoo, but it's in a, the it's best really way. Really cuckoo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I right. had a giant smile on my face, yep. but I was like, yep. "What's happening?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my gosh, everyone, go see it. I'm going to actually be rehearsing on that set this afternoon as we start rehearsal for Peter and the Starcatcher, which oh, is cool. another piece that's storytelling. It's from a book. and Yeah, what is the, I don't know what that's about. What is it about? Peter and the Starcatcher is based on a, a like a pre-Peter Pan, like a prequel. Is that what they call it? Not written by Barry, but written by, um, oh, now I'm going to forget who it's written by, and that's horrible. <laughs> um, but I can probably tell you that in a second because I have a computer on my desk. You do. Um, based on the novel by Dave Barry and Ridley Pearson. Um, it is a, an idea of how Peter Pan could have come to be. Oh, yeah, that's so interesting. And the, the lovely thing about this piece is it's, it's ensemble storytelling. I love this kind of storytelling mm-hmm. where even though someone may be the lead in the story, so Black Stash, who's Captain Hook, mm-hmm. um, then steps back and becomes a narrator. Oh, neat. And narrates part of the story and just becomes part of the ensemble, which I love. Yeah, I really like that too. I like, um, yeah, I think maybe as like as an actor, I just appreciate it when you get to see people shift in yeah, and out. Yeah, it's fun, right? Yeah. yeah. I like it. Oh, that's really cool. Um, I have another question for yeah. you, actually. So I was just wondering, so since you are an actor and you still act yeah. now um, and direct, like, how do you think that that affects um, the way that you run your auditions? The way I run my auditions? Well, I try to run my auditions and my rehearsals the way I would want to be treated as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I will see anyone who wants to be seen for any role because maybe they'll surprise me. Even yeah. if it's someone who doesn't first come to mind for a role, I, if, if someone asks me to be seen for something, I will absolutely see them because it's important to me that actors get to hone their craft and show their craft and show what they can do to directors. Um, and I like to give people, it's, it's hard with, with equity rules and the amount of hours in a day, but I try to give people as much time as I can for them to show me what they have. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I guess from observing, I feel like I feel like you run a very warm audition room. Thank you. <laughs> so even, and I've talked to other people too. So it's not just my opinion. Um, you know, we. I don't remember who I was talking to, but I'm not going to name names anyway. But that uh, <laughs> they were, we were both saying though that like, okay, like even if you don't, you know, even if you're not cast, you still leave feeling like you got to give your best audition, which that isn't makes me always. Happy. I'm the glad case to hear people, that. You know, well, it's funny because I, as an actor, I approach auditions as, oh look, I get to do some scene work today, or sure. I get to take a dance class today. Yeah. So <laughs> that's how I approach an audition. So I hope that I. I open the room to be that way as well. Yeah. And yes. I do find that 
a smile on my face means a safer place for an actor to play. Mm-hmm. And I, I would like my job to be hard. I would like to have five choices for every role that I'm looking for. Yeah. So I want people to be able to come in and give the best audition that they can possibly give. Yeah. Um, so on the opposite side of that, yeah, <laughs> do you feel like you see, uh, do you have like top three mistakes you feel like people make if they walk into an audition room like where you're like, ooh, like oh, you shouldn't do funny. that anymore, that's hurting you? Well, that's a really, really good question. That's an excellent question. And I, you know what, I, in the room, I, I do usually, like if I'm with Waylon or someone else, then I'll say, oh, they shouldn't have done that. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I see is coming in and apologizing. Hmm. People come in and apologize a lot. Like with the, verbally I'm so, or I'm with so their I'm so sorry body. I'm sick today. Oh. oh. Or um, I, I didn't get to look at this. or uh, and, and, and you can let us know that in a different way. Hmm. And often I find do your audition first and then you can chat about that later. But yeah. a, a lot of people apologize for themselves as they come into the room, huh. which is... Just unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 interesting because part of, I think, as you know this from being in a show with me, I also cast my room. So I want to, when I cast, I cast the best people for the show, mm-hmm. but also the best people, the best mix. I try, I try to create a really joyful, safe oh, sure. cast. Mm-hmm. So I'm also looking at who the person is as they come into the room. Yeah, like, do I want to spend eight weeks exactly. with you? <laughs> exactly. I'm so glad you said that because that's, yeah. that is what it is. I, I think about who it is that's presenting themselves as they come in. So there's that. There's um, I actually also adjudicate the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival. Oh, wow. Um, musical Theater Division mm-hmm. every year, which is such a wonderful program. Um, and we one of the things that we really work on with the students, because they're all college kids, is what you choose. Mm. Your 16 bars... It's hard, it's hard to pick 16 bars. And sometimes I find that people just come in and sing. Hmm. And I think I used to do that. When I was green and young, yeah. I would just come in and, here, these are my notes. This is what I can sing. Right. I want to see you act. Hmm. So especially for younger actors, I, I find that one of their mistakes is picking 16 bars that shows off their voice, mm-hmm. but not whether or not they can act. Sure, yeah. So there's that. You wanted three. I don't know if I have a third. <laughs> if you don't have a third, okay. <laughs> um, can we talk about a dance call for a second? Sure. Oh, <laughs> please do. So, the one thing I would always say is bring all your shoes. Oh, that's so smart. Bring all your shoes. <laughs> I know. I do not do that. I almost always will throw in a, a tap combination because who knows when I'm going to throw a tap number into a show? I just did that with Forum. I. I threw a tap number in forum, which is whoever puts tap in Sondheim, right? <laughs> um, and I've had people come to tap calls without tap shoes. Well, that's just silly. Isn't it? It is a little bit, right? That's like, so hey, your shoes Make sure you have too. all your shoes. Just have all your shoes. That's very smart, actually. Because yeah. I, yeah, I I can firmly say I do have them all with me. So there, those were my three. Oh, I love it. I'm sure I'll think of something else and say, oh my gosh, don't do that. <laughs> Um, I'm just looking at my notes here and I realized I forgot to ask you a question that I meant mm-hmm. to ask earlier. So I was reading um, in another interview that you did uh, online and um, in there you, you mentioned You do really that, good research, just saying. Well, thank you. Uh, that you 
did a production of Urine Town. You directed a yeah, production I, of Urine Town. I it was choreographed like a, it. You choreographed it. Mm-hmm. And it was like a game changer for you. It was and a game I, changer. I just want to know why. That was the show where I felt like I became a choreographer, which is funny because I had been choreographing for years prior. But it is the show that I choreographed and felt like I told stories through the dance. And I changed that show. I had seen the tour. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the tour, I remember thinking, wow, this I love this show. It's excellent. It was created by some people I, I know through friends in Chicago. But I remember looking at the tour and going, they missed something here. I mm-hmm. would do that differently. I, I wonder why they didn't do that. Hmm. And so... I was given a lot of freedom with that show to tell stories through the dance parts of it. Um, and it really made me feel like a choreographer. Wow. Doesn't that, I think that answers the question. It, it was, yeah. And that was, I, I, that was amazing. Greg Kodas came to see that show and said that he had seen several productions of You're in Town. And this was the, that had been the danciest one he had ever seen. Mm-hmm. And he loved how the dance told the story. And I thought, Okay, there I we go. It. That's it. I, I'm a choreographer. So, yeah, it was it was sort of it was definitely a game changer. That was at the lyric. Oh, I love that. I love that yeah. idea of and I think that um that's such a good feeling. It was. <laughs> when you're like, I know how to do I, this, this, I is think. It. This is what I should be doing. Yeah. It was sort of that feeling of this is what this is how I should do it and what I should do. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a silly game. Oh, okay. Oh, my goodness. I play a lot of games with my son, so let's hope it's a good one. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this is my made-up game. Oh, um, if oh. you have any suggestions for what I should call it, I could use them because okay. I don't name things well, apparently. Okay. Um, okay. So I have these cards here. Uh, they have different words on them. Um, you need to pick three cards. I pick three cards. Three cards. And what do I do with that? <laughs> okay. Any three. Any three. Okay, I'm going to take the one closest to me. Okay. The one closest to you. Okay. And one right in the middle. Okay. So uh, read those, the words on the three cards aloud. Aloud? Mm-hmm. Lilith Fair. Mm-hmm. Hairband. Of course. I love that. And a nightclub. Okay. So from those three words, uh, make up a production. It could be a musical. It could be a play, a dance concert, um, <laughs> whatever you would, a movement piece, um, and give us the, what you would call it. The, the name doesn't have to include those words. Um, and just like a loose synopsis of what it is and the genre that you have chosen. Okay. So I ha- wait. You have to explain that. <laughs> okay. So um, the name of the production uh, a synopsis of it and then just tell us like what what type of production you've chosen like if it's a dance piece or if it's a musical or a, a poem okay so so of course I think I'm still uh, a big part of me is still in Sweet Charity Land so it I a nightclub and hairband just right away are putting me into sort of a, a smoky room okay um, so I'm gonna call it late night and it is a musical about uh, a girl who's having a really bad hair day. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That's where I'm going to go with it. We're going to go from there. (laughs) 
<laughs> I want to see that show. Um, okay. I'm sorry. I'm Sitting here on really this hard. rainy day, I'm thinking I'm going to star in it. So. <laughs> I was just thinking we've both been talking about like curls and humidity. <laughs> so that really works out well. Perfect. Perfect. Um, okay. So, well, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, this um, was so much fun. Oh, I'm glad you think so. Uh, where can people see your work? So the next show I am doing is Peter and the Star Catcher. I'm doing the choreography for it. That's at the Lyric Stage, which is on Clarendon Street in Boston. And that is running May 20th to June 26th. And then after that, I am assisting Waylon Symes on his brand new musical called Lobster Girl at Stoneham Theater in Stoneham, where we did Sweet Charity. Yes. And that runs June 9th to June 26th. I'm really excited about seeing Lobster Girl. I am too. It's a really great script and this is not just because Waylon is my friend he is an excellent writer he is the writing is fantastic Waylon good job it is clever and it is fun and the music and lyrics are by Steve Barkheimer and they are also just it's lovely it's a lovely piece Oh, I'm excited exciting. to work on something brand new yeah that yeah. is exciting yeah. you have like open yeah it's all new it's just new it's yeah. it's it's exciting um and then I uh I've been doing a lot of commercial work lately, so you might see me on the web or on your TV screens at some point. Oh, that's exciting, you guys. Buy whatever she's selling you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is usually health, because I've been a nurse quite a bit lately. Oh, well, we we all want to be healthy. Right? So sure. I'll have some extra procedures. No big deal. (laughs) Um, So finally, uh, I, every week, put my guest on the spot oh, with no. what my, I'm so scared. <laughs> my knife line should be for this podcast. So um, past choices, uh, a poor one that I came up with myself was a uh, keep it classy Boston, I believe. Um, we have had uh, up yours. That was Vanessa Dunleavy. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> uh, so what do you think we should Our do? Our sign off? Well, see, I think this is going back to what we talked about before we even turned everything on is um, big hair is beautiful hair. Ooh, that's the maybe that's every week because I got a lot I think of that's that. That's what we're going with. <laughs> this is a good table for yeah. that one. <laughs> okay, well, everybody, you heard it here. Big hair is beautiful hair. Bye. Bye. This is a thing is now available on Stitcher. Stitcher has apps for iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Stitcher is radio on demand. Download the free app to listen anytime, anywhere. You can create custom playlists with your favorite podcasts. Also, you can rate and review your favorite shows like this one and share with your friends on Facebook or other social media. For those of you that really love iTunes, don't worry, we're not going anywhere. And you can head on over there and rate and review the show. We love five stars. I will talk to you later. And I love you.